<laughs> he is indeed great, isn't he? Yes, he is. Amen. I love singing that kind of thing. Just think what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. How wonderful it's going to be. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your power, your greatness. How great you are. Oh, Lord. We just praise you because you're our God. And as great as you are, as powerful, all knowledge, all knowing, all always has been, always will be, everything, Lord. And yet we love each and every person here. Every one of us, Lord. And you died so that every one of us could celebrate your greatness and bring you glory for eternity. Oh, Lord, this morning we worship you. Thank you, Lord, for showing us you through your work and dying for us through your Son, that we may share glory with you forever and ever, Lord, and bring you glory. Praise you, Lord. Now, Lord, as we look inside your word, Lord, I pray that you speak to us, that your word, so may our hearts be poured out before you and our minds just like sponges, Lord, and take you in. And our hearts, Lord, be all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, I, I spent a lot of time putting this together in the sermon, and I, I've read a lot of things, and I, I wrote it out word for word because I wanted to, you to hear just exactly what I've been thinking about and what's been impacting me all week long. So, We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 3 this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, we're going to read verses 5 through 9. While you're looking that up, I want you to take something that, that, that's been on my mind and, and is on yours. In a very short time, maybe for some maybe a year, a day, a week, maybe some 10 years, 30 years, some even 50 years, in just a twinkling of an eye, Nothing is going to matter except God. Amen. When our body, where the, our soul is deposited while we're here in this world, and when it dies, all that will matter is God. That's all. <coughs> so, are we covered in His glory? Are we, or are we smothered in these torments of darkness all around us? Compared to eternity, in a very short time, all that's going to matter is the presence or absence of God. So I want to ask you this morning, what does that say about the priority of God in our lives now? In case you're one of the vast majority of people who haven't stopped lately to consider your own exit from this world, the moment you make that irreversible entry into eternity, I want to help you with some things to help you remember about the priority of God in our lives this morning. Now, stay with me because this can be very depressing unless you know the Lord, unless you know that it is here with us. 
say some things that are going on in our lives all around us that we are swamped with all the time. And, and here, here's what the Center for the Disease Control, did you hear that? The Centers for the Disease Control joyfully announced to the nation that the teen birth rate uh, has reached a historic low in the U.S. It's now only 24 per thousand. Wow, that's great. And just two years ago, there's a city that was leading in this charge, and then it had lowered its, um, celebrated that in five years, it had lowered the number of births in teenage mo mothers dropped from 64.4 per thousand to 43 per thousand. That's 225% greater than the national average and 161% better than, than the state average. Wow, kind of exciting isn't it, that a city led that charge. So how did they achieve this success? How did man get in the way and take over God's? Oh, I'm sorry. I got ahead of myself. Here's what they did. There's a manual that this city used to teach unwed teenagers how to have responsible sex. Not the sex that God intended. Oh, all the tricks to avoid getting pregnant, how to appropriately handle a mistake when a human life is formed in the womb. And for the boys, there's classes where they can be required to answer 60 questions, how to avoid getting a social sex partner pregnant, and now, this May, there is a shot for the boys. How exciting. And part of this curriculum encourages um, students to lower the number of partners. Mm -hmm. One widely used pamphlet in its public school suggests to young people, accept sex for what it is, for whatever pleasure it gives you. And it goes on to refer, are you ready for this? The old mythology of saving sex for marriage. By the way, that city is Baltimore. This is a public school manual. We pay for it with our tax dollars, right? Okay. Consider... This, that the dismembering of thousands of tiny, well-formed babies every year not, is not primarily a tragic crisis uh, to save the mother's life, but it's a political football. We're, it, we, we're trying to choose between which candidates, right? Oh, please. The fabric of the family that God designed for the security and nurturing of disciplined, humbled, noble, righteous, intelligent young people is gone. certainly not a safe harbor, is it? So again, I want to ask you, what does this tell us about the priority of God in our lives? Is the collapse of our moral and social life connected to the almost total absence of the biblical God in our culture? You know what? Let me ask you this. How much of God do you see in uh, movies, humor, music, art, drama, sports, advertising, science, business, travel, hobbies, medicine, counseling, and yes, religion? <coughs> God is a priority. Hmm. The sheer absence of this, this, the greatest reality in the universe we just sang about, the all-powerful God. Do you see him in your lives all week long? 
You know what? I think our God is probably the most ignored, disregarded, snubbed by almost every enterprise in America. So is there any connection here to what's going on in our country? We're, we're becoming barbarians. Uh, you know, historians, I know there's several here in the group. Uh, this is exactly what's happened before any of them have fallen, isn't it? You know, I don't, I don't think it's just my opinion. It's, it's biblical insight, I think, that the absence of a biblical God in the center of our lives that's leading to the absence of our, or the fall of our civilization. And I think it's falling. Uh, you didn't really want to hear all this morbid stuff this morning, did you? Um, you know, we were talking this morning, Sunday school, turn on a TV commercial, try to find God in any of that. And yet we're bombarded by that all the time, are we not? All around us. I'm just kind of thankful for that billboard down here that says, talks about God is the only way to be saved. It's a salvation. I like that. Um, but you know what? All those things that we see on TV, that's what sells. I know that. I've been involved in that industry. You know, we, we sell people what they want to hear and what you're going to watch. Hmm. So when I think of these things in relation to, uh, to my, my little life here in this corner of Maryland, or before I go home to be with God forever, um, I think I want to lead the, the kind of church or family or whatever we are. I want to lead us into a battle to fight this, this culture. You know, and there's two levels to this culture. Let me tell you what, the battle that's going on out there, there's a whole lot of casualties. And some of them are Christian. A lot of them are Christians. You know, we're, we're, we're in a, I think a country that is, it's a God ignoring and a God demeaning age. We left God out. And here's something. When a God-centered society, which we were at one time, when a God-centered society unravels, it destroys thousands of protective patterns, noble assumptions about life, respectful behaviors that we've taught in our school systems, and we taught our children in the past. And it falls on our offspring sins of the fathers. Go back and read Le Leviticus 26, 39. It falls on the children. And when God has gone from education and home and business and art and government, everybody pays. Even the most godly. So, look, one area that I feel obligated to confront in our culture and, and when I long for our church to confront is caring for the casualties. You want almost everyone appreciates this in, in a church, don't they? You know, they kind of expect it of the leadership in the church, I know. And for a lot of people, this, this is all they can imagine that, that a, a, a pastor or a church would do. And, and if that's all we're supposed to do, all we're supposed to do, it's not a small calling, folks. It would be a huge task beyond the power of any single group or, or, or 
word humans. But let me tell you what, I'm bound by my conscience. And I believe by the word of, of God to, to uh, confront the life of all of our culture. Even if it only comes from this little corner here in Maryland. In a whole different area. My vision of what we should be as a church includes the other battle too. Now let me listen. I can imagine that someone will say, oh, amen. Let's, let's not cope with the casualties of, of pornography. Let's go out and let's just kill wipe out all pornography. Or, or I agree, let, let, let's, stop, let's go out and let's, let's stop this abortion thing, this, this murdering of babies. And, and you know what? That's a battle that I would say, amen. Let's go out and let's eliminate it. But you know what I'm talking about is going to the root of the rotten tree and to find the worm. The, the disease that's rotting our whole society. To go back up of the river, back up the bay, of the find the, the polluted river and find out what's really polluting everything. Go to the very core of it, to the head of it. And you know what, what's really bringing on all this this flood of drug addiction and homosexuality or, or, or alcoholism or whatever we have that we say that we're, is, is our problem in life. Um, we're spending all of our effort to treat the results like, like depression and, and unfaithfulness and divorce and abuse and eating disorders and insecurity and bitterness and power grabbing and everything else that's going all around us. And, and the treatment may take care of some of the symptoms or maybe even the sickness for now but we need to go to the source of the disease, folks. That's sin itself. I believe the root of the rotten tree and the diseased worm and the source of pollution is the disregard of God. We've left him out. We separated ourselves from God. And you know what that's called? Sin. We need to go back to the biblical God. You know what? We see it all around us, all this disregard. Um, you know, it may be hostile in the form of atheism or Islam or some movie that some some move, movement that's hostile to God, and it, it may be in, in the windy form of, of what I call of secular relativism. You know, you got your God, I got my Zen. Just leave me alone, and we'll all live together, right? does not work that way. It may be a naive form of Bible-believing Christians who claim to know God but absorb their values, their moral and social values from TV. The absence of a radical, God-centered is the root of all of our problems. We have to be radical and being biblical and showing people the biblical God. Anybody here afraid of this book? Hmm. We were talking this morning in, in, the, in our Sunday school class, our, our meeting, about you know how do we how do we fight all this? It, it, it's constant. Anybody here not living under a barrage of unbiblical information? We are. How do we fight that? How do we do that? You know what? 
whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you watch, whatever you read, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. That's how we do, and that's how we are to think. You know, I'm talking about something deeper than just a dysfunctional family in a church at home or whatever. You know, how did they get that way? How did that happen? What is it in our souls and in, the, in our culture that breeds this kind of family? And where does it come from? It comes from the ignorance of God and his word and the rebellion against the biblical God of grace and glory. It comes from putting man where God belongs. Whoa, where have I read that before? Man thinking that he could do it in the place of God. Seems like that started back in Genesis, didn't it? And we're still doing it. That's the point of the first chapters of the Bible. And you know what? That's the point of the whole Bible thereafter. All the way to Revelation. God's in control. It's God who made us. It's God who made everything here. We are made for his glory. He tells us that all the way through his word. We kind of ignore that, don't we? You know what? On one hand, we need to expose the word to help the casualties, which is most of us from week to week, is it not? You know, we need, we need to come here just to survive another week of faith, right? Hmm. To feel in God, to believe in God. You know, I hope you're doing that every day myself. That's what we teach and that's what we preach. To walk with him in everything that you do. But on the other hand, we have this great burden, I believe, to provide a, a vision of God that for almost all of us who are being attacked by the secular air, we breathe 168 hours a week. We need to feel the burden to cry out with a warning. A warning against how much of the God-ignoring world we evangelicals absorb without even knowing it. And I know that our cry is biblical truth is the great need of our culture can be taken by the casualties to mean simply that we just believe in the sovereignty of God. That's not enough. It'd be great if all that would go away by just believing that, wouldn't it? The truth is that if enough of us together, I'm talking about families, husbands, wives, fathers, mothers, kids, workers, wherever you are, together, if everybody were to join and would, would begin to shape their lives by God's word, by the God that lives in us, I think everything would change dramatically. I believe that. You know what? And I think that's, if we did that, we'd find that the worm that's at the root of all this that calls all this decay. I think, you know, using my, I've moved a lot of looms and weaving stuff here this last week, but I think we're here to re reweave the fabric in our culture. And we do that with God's Word. It needs to be rebuilt. We need to start from the bottom and, and go up. Always. 
Now what I want you to look at today's text, and we're not going to work through a detailed expo exposition of every part. You know I love to do that, I'm sorry, but we're not going to do that this morning. We're going to just see how the, the same situation, did you hear me? The same situation was going on in Corinth 2,000 years ago. Man was trying to do God's work and say, oh, I got this one, God. Don't need you. So he came up with his own ideas. Hmm, sound familiar? Yeah. I want you to see how this, this, this word that Paul wrote to the Corinth, church at Corinth, the same place we are, how he wrote 2,000 years ago and how we can apply it today. Read with me. I'm going to, be, I'm going to start 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as the people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy, you're, rather, while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For one says, I follow Paul. And another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Paul was watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. In verses 3 and 4, Paul pointed out that Corinthians were acting like people of the world, people who valued their earthly things above the heavenly treasures given by God. People with the Holy Spirit, people without God. Hmm. Verse 3, there's jealousy and strife. Specifically, verse 4, are boasting in their teachers. Did you hear that? I belong to Paul. Oh, I'm, I'm following this denomination. I'm following that denomination. Oh, yeah, oh, you're following that denomination. You're following Apollos. So what, what does Paul say causes jealousy and strife and, and this boasting and this bragging? That's what verses 